Hi, this is David Sweet, CEO and founder of Focus Core Japan. And if you were like many of the APAC leaders that I speak to, you're struggling in Japan to find the right talent. You get bombarded with irrelevant resumes or a lack of resumes altogether. I would like to invite you to discover the power of Focus Core's retained search. Let Focus Core help you swiftly secure top tier talent in this candidate short market. I'd like to invite you to shoot me an email and explore how we're different. And with a 100% refundable trial, we can revolutionize your hiring process today. Now on to our podcast. Oh, dude, I love, I love, um, I love werewolves. Today, I'm here with Jason DeLuca on the Focus Core podcast. Welcome, Jason. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to give you a, give a brief background. Jason is a permanent resident in Japan with extensive experience in outsourcing and temp staffing, learning and organizational development, which uh, is interesting that uh, you and I have passed cross paths before in that we both worked at the same company at yep. different times. And then it was interesting. I had never met you and we were both doing a training session. Yep. And you were doing the morning session. I was doing yep. the afternoon session. Yep. And the only time I ever met you was on the 10 minutes between yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. sessions. That's the only time I'd ever met you. And then we've kept in contact. We've mm. shared lots of notes. And yet we'd only met, I think, on the tr- we met we met in Azabu Juban for about five minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A train. Well, was, other than that, it's just comments, right? So I watch yeah. you on LinkedIn and then I'll make a comment. And but it's like the other thing though is that we're like we're connected by other people, right? And then that other that other person, those other people will talk about you. You know what I mean? And so it's like, um, in that kind of sense, yeah, I have a kind of feel like I really know you because like they'll talk about you and stuff. And but I remember that that back at that that was like an old career cross right. sales seminar, which is funny. It's still up on their website. <laughs> it's like buried deep deep in the in in the um, what do you call it the um, the site tree or whatever. Like if you yep, search yep. stuff, yeah, you'll find it. it and so uh, I, I'm not going to read the rest of your introduction. I'll let you, you tell us. No point. Tell us. Tell tell us I'll let uh, let you tell us. Tell us your story of uh, how you got to Japan. And uh, no, like I said, I, I've been here since since '94. I love this country very much. Um, and I got into staffing in 2001. I was working at Panache, but at first I was working in their their web um, digital department, selling websites and stuff back when you could charge you know, 8 million yen for like a, a really simple website back at the yeah. time, right? It was just crazy, right? Um, and then that was at a company called Panache and I moved up to their temp staffing division. Yeah. Um, and then um, Mark Smith at the time, great guy, yeah. he went off to start Skillhouse and me and Paul Roberts and stuff, we went off to, to start Skillhouse with him. And then I worked for a few years doing that and then um, just decided, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to kind of have more of a lifestyle business <clears throat> that covered lots of different stuff. I really enjoyed the training, the coaching, and actually working as an on-site um, 
like process consultant myself, like getting involved in doing project work. But I also like the temp staffing uh, and the recruitment part. And it just, you know, it just made sense to kind of have um, different oars in the water and stuff like that. It was just, you know, it was more like a life, you know what I mean? Just to kind of support a lifestyle and keep myself challenged and stuff. And it's, yeah, it's been now 16 years. Wow. So you established Smart Partners in 2007? Yep. So the, I think you're talking about the Wall Street. That was a, a long project that I had. So I was there on a retained contract a couple of days a week and stuff, helping them with their staffing business and stuff like that. And I picked okay. up a few of those along the way. Um, yeah, which are really fun. And people are kind of surprised when I pick these up because they're like, but wait, you have a recruitment business and then you're, you're doing a retained project to like coach people and do all that. Well, yeah, because I don't screw over my clients, right? So we have an NDA in place. I, it, it's, it's like, who, you know what I mean? Like you're not yep. looking at their CRM anyway. You're off usually off in a in a separate part of the business and stuff anyway. Yep. Um, but yeah, and just the fact that I'm a work, you know, I was a working a desk myself. All of the recruiters would be like, "Look, no, nah, I'm going to listen to him because he's he's eating dirt sandwiches along with us. He's yep. losing staff along with us. He's going through, you know, a, a really hot." sweaty august trying to trying to pick up you know the, the last kind of orders and stuff before the end of the year with us so um yeah it worked out kind of nice so when and this is exciting because this is you're the first uh recruiter to be on the oh okay so for our listeners this is going to be two old uh, school recruiters talking shop um you you had reached out to me and said uh let's chat about ai yep and I thought, yeah, that's great. Why don't we record it? And so that's how how this comes about. So we'll be talking about AI and recruitment. Uh, so it, we we have a theme, and uh, then we might go on down some rabbit holes. But uh, I know you sent over an article um, that you wrote about 2010. Yeah. About AI and its effect uh, in the recruitment market, and uh, so why don't you why don't you start us off? Uh, yeah. So the first thing I, the first thing I want to say is you will not get any specifics or details or facts about AI for me because I'm not a fact and detail kind of person. So mm. there's plenty of really great stuff up online and I strongly recommend, um, we might even put it maybe in some show notes or something like that, but there's some, a couple of good presentations out there about kind of what's going on. And, and those details are only a couple of weeks old and stuff. So they should yep. definitely have a look. Um, but the article I wrote before years ago was, um, just about an over-reliance on technology. And, you know, I did kind of feel that at some stage, yeah, this stuff, these machines are going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's going to start to draw that distance. You know, it's going to start to shrink that distance between people even more and more. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I was just talking about wanting to smash computers because, I mean, I do work in IT and stuff, but I do see an over-reliance on that is really dangerous. And it just seems like the past, yeah, four or five months, it's just this whole discussion about, you know, like, I'm not going to listen to someone who's not an AI expert kind of talk about doom and gloom. Because to me, it's like, look, you're just trying to get users and people to follow you and stuff. Mm -hmm. But when you've got the person who is considered one of the grandfathers of deep learning, machine learning and stuff like that, when he's going on the record and saying, these are some concerns I have, and I didn't think it was going to advance this quickly, right? Yeah then it's time to listen. Um, mm. And yeah, and just during times like that, I, I feel anxious just like anyone else. And 
I would say rather than try to make people more scared to try to get them to listen to you, I think it's more important to kind of just open up with people and be like, look, everybody's feeling anxious about this. Everybody's going to be concerned about how this is going to impact them. Um, and if, if anything to take away from any discussion is um, we're all going to be hit with this together. Yeah. So there's going to be some industries, obviously, that'll do a bit better. But for the most part, this is going to be, you know, they're talking about this being almost like a separate kind of form of life in a sense, right? Like it's going to have its own category. Um, it's not just chatbots and and reorganizing text and stuff. It's actually, you know, and in some ways it's going to be really good, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's the, one of the things I wanted. Yeah, because I, you know, I follow you uh, online and stuff with the different guests that you have. And um, I wanted to, yeah, hear your thoughts on it as well, you know? Yeah. And so I, I, yeah, I'm not a doom and gloom guy. I'm, I'm super excited about AI. And I think, you know, the question I asked you is, uh, will Skynet take over the recruitment industry? And part of it is, part of me says, gosh, I hope so. Mm -hmm. uh, because I've, I mean, having been in this industry for so long, I personally like downturns in the market. Mm -hmm. So historically, whenever we've had a downturn in the market, it gets really hard and it washes out a lot of the poor players, the, the bad customer service, the things that we don't need in any industry, not only recruitment, but in any industry. And being in the recruitment industry specifically, I, I feel like, oh, it just it, it levels the playing field, cleans us out, and then we get to start again. And I think, you know, COVID just most recently did that. And now we're building back up again. And I think for my, myself personally, I think AI is going to be a wonderful leveler because a lot of companies, uh, recruitment companies are already doing things transactionally. Mm. And so that might as well, you might as well give that to a computer anyway, mm. because there's no value add. Companies like an Amazon or a J&J that need transactional recruitment anyway, mm can they can find a lot of value from ai and and the human factor isn't helping that much anyway so i think mm. like companies like even companies like Root, for example they they do a lot that's just very transactional pull up a list of names and just shove that out into the open and there's no value add and so i'm excited about that you take the human element out of it mm. and then the human element that can remain in recruitment for headhunting, I think that's exciting because that element will always be there. Mm. Because there's going to be some searches that that need human elements involved. Yeah, and I and I also too. I mean, we talked about this before, and um, candidates are not going to really respond that well to a chatbot email. Mm. Um, and may, maybe for some people within IT, they're going to be okay with that. But I always think that people that thinking about making a big jump and so they're going to want to talk to a person. And I, and I also, again, I'm not a futurist at all. I'm, I'm certainly not going to be predicting anything at all. Not smart enough for that, but I do see a lot of people or a lot of companies coming out and then it's going to be a hundred percent human generated content. Yeah. Um, when you call our customer service, you will be speaking to a person immediately. All of our recruiters, you know, they follow this kind of stuff, but, we, the AI we use in our business is just for resume formatting, general matching, and all that other stuff. That now frees them up to spend more time on the phone with you. 
that kind of stuff. I, I think, and I wrote it in some of the notes and stuff. I just think, um, I do agree with you on that in, in that sense, because I think that people who are impasse, the people that maybe their IQ score like me is actually not so high, but their EQ score is actually quite, quite high. Yeah. This is going to be an interesting change of events because suddenly now, um, that's good. I, uh, that is one thing I do see. I do see just from the training and learning and development perspective, I do see a new market coming. It's always been there. I know it's always been there, but really talking about EQ now mm. um, and how, because again, if, if you've outsourced IQ now to your, your, your smartphone and everything else, it's like, I can get all that, all that analysis and all that crunching and all the other stuff done. Now it's going to be, well, how is this going to impact other people? Or how is what I'm going to, going to do to impact other people or how am I going yeah. to influence people to proactively work with me um, for mutually benefit beneficial outcomes and stuff. And I think I, I do, I do see that too as being something really good. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, the, it, and I feel like we like for using chat GPT, for example, I, lo I love chat GPT. I think it's, it's fantastic, but as a writer myself, I find I'm it's changing my style of writing in that I want to be more than human right <laughs> that I need to put more stories I need to put more interesting metaphors and similes within my writing to prove it's human mm -hmm. and not chat gpt not have the five bullet points and uh, go through and uh, and and summarize them That's nicely awesome. that reminds me that that what you just said reminded me of um uh what is it white was it rob zombie or white zombie more human than human yeah right that's a great song um <laughs> well yeah and and then it's going to become ai versus ai right yeah and i mean you i'm sure you've already noticed like a lot of people that never really post stuff on linkedin are suddenly posting stuff and it's always like three and then if you kind of just look at what their prompt was you're like dude you just spent two seconds putting that in chat gpt then you cut and paste it and then you're like you're treating it that's like a post right um, I think I've, I've written about it maybe a long time ago, but I would always talk about it in, in, in the coaching and stuff is that for years, I always talked about AI, but I had a different kind of AI that I was telling people mm -hmm. to develop. And it was always, I would always, I called it analog instinct. And that's about developing your EQ ability, your ability to empathize with other people, to listen, um, always before, as you're going to do something immediately jump in that other person's seat and kind of think about, well, how is that going to impact them? Mm. Um, I started doing that at first because I, you know, I'll admit it, totally admit it. Like I went early in my career and stuff. I never tried to coach senior candidates before an interview because I thought, well, they've got so much more work experience than me. What, what the hell am I going to help them with? Mm. And then one day a candidate, a senior candidate said, Hey, do you mind can you give me a call? I, you know, can we do some coaching and stuff? And I was just, I was kind of nervous. And I was like, why does he, you know? And he's like, dude, I have an interview for like eight years. Yeah. And he's like, can you, and, and then all of a sudden it hit me. It's like, wait a second, senior people are nervous too. And then that just changed. And then that's when I started thinking, well, wait a second. And then, you know, I, I um, totally changed my approach to how I would, how I would do that. So, but it really, that's really a big thing for me. But again, I always talk to people about this idea of, yeah, analog instinct. Mm. What, what kind of skills do you have with you that you don't need a computer for? Um, yeah. What are the things that you can, that you can do for other people 
um, one thing I did starting, geez, maybe maybe two two months ago, something like that. Um, I started watching Star Trek Next Generation. <laughs> You've never seen it before? Never. Uh-huh. Because as a kid, you know, obviously, that's way above my IQ level, right? <laughs> so, and then at that time, I had a couple of friends, a really smart friend who liked rockets and stuff like that. And he would, you know, kind of tell the jokes a little bit at school and stuff. And of course, nobody understood it. Yeah. And watching it now, it's a life-changing experience to see, like, not only do all these movies copy that, mm. I'm actually getting somewhere with this. Not only do movies copy that, but all the technology that's in there, they have iPads, they have touchstone, they have touchscreens. It's like, oh, who are these technical visionaries that we're supposed to worship? When mm. Roddenberry, I think his name is, he was writing these stories from all that time. Yeah. If you even look at the touchscreens now, they hold up to, to today and stuff, right? Right. Um, and so part of me, it, Netflix was you know, invading my privacy and it put it in front of my face. I'm like, okay, I'll watch one episode. And I'm like, this is good. And I, and now I'm addicted, right? Now I understand better the IT people that are around me mm. after that simple exercise. It's like, I was just talking to somebody the other day, an IT guy, and I mentioned something that they might want to do in order to, to do this. How Don't take that approach. Maybe think of it like this. And then I said, Hey, do you ever watch Star Trek? Said, of course. <laughs> and I said, remember the episode where they found the Borg guy on the planet and he was, and then they nursed him back to health. And then rather than planting a virus in him and sending him back to the Borg, yeah. Jean-Luc Picard said, you know what, we're going to plant in him like kindness, being free and being important. And he's going to take that back with him. And that's going to destroy the Borg. Yeah. And so I use that example when I was talking with someone, giving him advice about, you know, doing so. How about, putting it this way and getting those people doing your influence through people that way, rather than trying to take this other approach. And simply the fact that I had watched that episode, like a week before uh -huh. I quoted, he's like, yeah, I remember the, the, the mm -hmm. guy's name was Hugh. Yeah. Hugh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm only on season five, so I don't know if he comes back, but like, um, that's an example, right. Of, yeah. of, being in somebody else's shoes and, and learning a bit more about them. And the other thing, tying this up to AI, I think that's what essentially what AI is going to be. Mm. Um, just like in, in the management. In the Borg the, or? No, 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 no. <laughs> the, the, the enterprise. Okay, good. In the, in the sense that um, just like with management consulting and with contract work and stuff, like your contractors and your advisors that you send on site, they advise. Mm. The customer decides. The customer right. makes decisions. Um, and I think that's going to be the way that a lot of this is going to be going with AI. They're going to, they're going to, they're really going to, you know, reel it in. They're going to bring a lot of this stuff down. And it's going to be like the enterprise. Because I was watching these guys, right, the ladies and all these people, you know, the engineers and stuff. And I, my, my first thought is, why don't they just have AI doing all this? Yeah. But it's like, no, they wanted the humans to make that final important decision. So it's AI assisted. Um, yeah. yeah. I, you know, you're, you're, your phrase analog instinct is spot on. And I, I think that's where, yeah, it's where people need to go with that. They need to have that analog instinct to understand how to drive the AI. It's a tool and it's a wonderful tool. And it will unfortunately put people out of jobs. It will take over things, but it will free up other stuff as well and i and i say stuff because 
it's hard to predict what that will be because it will there, be there's, yeah, there's no way there's no way to predict it they said you mean again if you've got people that that's been their life's work and they're surprised by it yeah it's like you know in in the japanese countryside you know if you go out to way out there in the boonies and stuff and you try riding a bike a little mama chadi at night and you turn on your light that's what it's like right yeah. You can see a, a little bit in front of you, and that's pretty much all it's going to be for now. Um, but also with, with this idea of analog instinct, I mean, my, the ideas too is start, you know, skilling yourself on stuff that's mm. not just, that doesn't just only require a computer, right? Whether it's, you know, you really want to start looking after your health now, or you want to pick up some kind of a trade or learn how to do stuff. Like I, one of my clients and stuff is really high level um, uh, project management office director guy. Like nobody knew it, but he's like a really accomplished woodworker. Mm. Like, I mean, he can not just make chairs. I mean, the guy makes like chess game. I mean, it's just crazy. Right now. Again, I'm not saying, oh, because he's going to lose his job. He can he can go off and start, you know, whittling, whittling things for people and stuff to, to for his bowl of rice for the day. Hopefully that won't happen. But but the fact that he develops himself as an individual without the use of technology and stuff, I'm sure that has a big impact on his job. Mm. He has that not only an artistic outlet, but he's also skill acquisition and, and stuff like that. And I, there's got to be a really good sense of pride with that kind of stuff, I think, right? Well, the, the, there's a couple of things around that. I think the transferable skills of just having that patience, um, having the creative of doing a skill that's not necessarily tied towards uh, uh, money, yeah, but it, it's just towards an excellence in and of itself, which is what crafts and art are about, right? I think the other skill set, the analog in instinct needs to have, and I hear it a lot around the finance industry mm. for CFOs, is trying to develop business partners. Mm. and that's because you can a lot of this already spreadsheets uh your, your sap programs can take care of the number crunching you can offshore already all of the number crunching but you need to be able to explain clearly what the numbers mean mm. and what do the charts mean and what actions now do we take as an organization? What risks am I facing as an organization? And explain it to me clearly, because we're not all on that same path as uh, as a number cruncher. Yeah, it's like those diplomatic skills, right? Yeah, I don't want to keep talking about Star Trek the whole time, but but that's oh, really true, right? Because they've got the ship, they've got the Enterprise, they can blast everybody out of existence, right? But you always see, he'll say on screen, <laughs> right? And then they'll try to talk it out. Okay, why don't you come beam over on our ship? You know, we'll have some green liquid and we'll talk about it, you know? Oh. Um, but I really see that kind of training business taking off a lot of that mm -hmm. stuff. I mean, that's the reason why um, I started the, the other business that I have, the, the small business I have for making board games. Yep. And uh, smarter, faster games. And people, I would always be asked, oh, okay, but when are you going to make this into a mobile app? Oh, you've got great art. You have a great backstory. The game mechanics are really fun. I like the game. But when are you going to make it into uh, like a, a mobile app? And I'm, I said, never, never. It's always mm. going to be paper, pencil, uh, dice, um, replicating a work environment, getting people to look each other in the face 
and interact with each other, solve problems, learn things, answer questions, resource management, share your resources and kind of challenge each other and stuff like that. I, I just think, I think in a lot of sense, a lot of that kind of training and a lot of that kind of requests are going to come up, I think. Mm. Um, so, it's certainly going to have more time, right? Board games are, are right? a wonderful way to engage and, and show how people can work together. And I, I think there's an argument as far as um, online gaming and, and the contests and the mm. that they have as well. And that's an interesting uh, dynamic as well. But I think the analog, that people to people is just much more important and will be more important as, as we go on. Yeah. What, what um just a, a couple of things i know my my one my youngest son he works for gaming industry oh wow and he's a game designer for a oh, japanese wow. company and he came home and said yeah year and a half two years i'll be out of a job ai will totally put me out of a job mm. and i can see that but there's still got to be someone that drives the machines yeah, I, I I also think that, you know, and that's one thing I was mentioning to somebody who, who kind of was concerned about it too, and I said the same thing to them. Everybody's going to become a designer. Mm. A designer, an architect, you're going to become a director, a producer, because you're going to have this outsourced ability now for all this other stuff that, that you didn't want to do. And um, it, there's going to be disruption, of course there is. And so mm. the idea is you should prepare for this disruption just like you prepare for any kind of disruption, right? We just came out of a pandemic and now this, right? And so it's the same idea to, to prepare. You know, what if there is, you know, supply chain issues and stuff like that for a couple of weeks, would me and my family be okay to mm. take care of ourselves? I mean, it's almost, it's, you know, it's, it's emergency preparation. You should also be doing stuff like that. I don't think something bad is going to happen. That's not the point. But the point is if it can relieve a little bit of anxiety that you have to actually take some action and do stuff, um, and no, I'm not saying, you know, become a carpenter, you know, because AI can't make a chair, you know, but the idea is that that's there to relieve some of that anxiety, mm. to get you feeling like, look, I am developing as an individual in something that's not requiring a computer to make digital stuff that now it's going to be instantly free for other people. Um, so what do you, in recruitment, what do you see already taking place as far as things around AI unfolding? Oh, I mean, well, just, just for us, I mean, you know, when you get that person's resume, that's all completely ugly text and it's completely a mess and then you can get it cleared up in a couple of seconds. That's kind of nice. Yeah. Um, you know, things like, you know, um, if you get a job description that you're really, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'll admit it. There's sometimes job descriptions I get for stuff that's supposed to be in my specialism and I'm not exactly too sure. And so, being able to ask, you know, ask AI to say, look, can you give me some questions to clarify this, this, and this? Mm -hmm. like, well, hey, oh, and then, you know, um, when I go to talk to the client, so I've got some better questions and stuff. I'm not ashamed to admit that. Like, yeah. I don't know everything. And it's nice to be able to get some prompt questions and stuff to, to take to some of these meetings or a mm -hmm. checklist. Hey, if, if you were unsure about who's matching to this job, what would be, you know, five follow-up questions that you would ask a customer to better qualify and quantify this job? Oh, sure. Here you go. 
there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, you know, I mean, yeah, I'll put my my little flare on it and I'll print it out or I'll have it ready for the for the call and stuff. But what's wrong with that? You know? I think it's brilliant. Well, and some of that, right? We we think, oh, the AI is doing that, but let's admit it that we outsourced uh, resume formatting ages ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, we had administrators doing that. Yeah. 25 years ago. So it's, that's not the new, we just have now a computer does, does it in much faster time. And it cleans it up and stuff. I mean, obviously be careful that you don't have too much, you know, you don't have no sensitive data on it because yep, you didn't get certain parts of it that you wanted to do. But, you know, um, um, I think that, and I think something else that's coming um, is, do you remember those Tamagotchi from, from like, yeah, from, sure. Yeah. I think everybody's going to get a Tamagotchi now. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be like a personal assistant avatar uh, thing where you can customize it. You can customize the voice. You know, of course, mine's going to be Worf, um, <laughs> right? So he'll be my guy, right? And I'll give him tasks and I'll say, hey, me and Dr. Sweet, we want to make a, a, a board game to help people understand Shakespeare. Nice. And I want you to go off and find, you know, I'll give it a couple of prompts and stuff. You get on that. I'm going to drink my shake and I'm going to go to bed. And then you wake up and it's all this stuff. Hey, I found a bunch of articles about this and people doing this stuff. Here's some interesting things here. Um, and then you'll, yeah. Why don't you set up a time for me and Dr. Sweet to talk about that, you know, affirmative. And then he's going to reach out to your person and be like, hey, he wants to talk about the board game. Mine will sound like data, I'm sure. You, you, yeah, you'll probably have data, right? But, but you know, go back and forth, right? Um, and the, the one thing, and I talked to someone who really high up technical evangelist at Microsoft about this. I've asked some other uh, people that work with uh, ERP. It's like I asked them, and they didn't think they didn't think that this currently is out there. I'm sure it's going to be coming, and maybe it's already out there with maybe success factors or some maybe some HR system already does this. I know for a fact that chat GPT AI, the deep learning thing is going to be applied to the entire corporate knowledge database of every file, every email, every Slack, oh, yeah. all that stuff. And what that's going to do in a good way, it's going to actually show your individual contribution to the company and how well you influence and impact other people around you. Because it's going to be all the documents that you did, obviously if it's a revenue thing, but you know where I'm going with this, right? Yeah, sure. It's going to be impossible for people to take credit for your stuff. It's going to go down through all the emails. And so it's going to be not only the stuff that you sent, but it's going to be the conversations that were happening about you and, and the amount of positive response getting from someone. It's like, look, look at this person. He's like a beam of light. He comes into the project and all of a sudden all this productivity. Mm -hmm. goes up and, mm -hmm. and then imagine um, he or she decides to quit. And they left suddenly, no handover. New person sits at the desk and says, hey, make me a video or let's talk about the past five years of what that person did. Maybe that kind of stuff exists now, but I asked some really high level people mm. on the ERP side, high level developers. I asked, like I said, I know a, a pretty senior guy and he's like, well, for files and this and that, they have that. But he goes, I don't think, he goes, Azure is doing something like that now, but I don't think it's, following one specific yep. login and then bringing all that other stuff together. But how far is that off a year? Yeah, it's not far. I've worked with uh, a client that that's 
basically what they were developing was just internal systems designed so that things can be found. It's just as simple as as your company grows, you need you need knowledge, and you need to be able to find that knowledge, whether exactly. it's processes it's, and it's it's twenty twenty three, and there is not one spot on my Mac that I can search that will say, "Hey, wait a second, you're looking for that in Dropbox or right No, dude, that was in an email from like four years ago." Mm. And it's like, yeah, I know the email thing is supposed to, but it would be great to have one thing that would just give you kind of a story. And then it would start to understand, no, 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 you're using the wrong word, man. You should, you, I think you're looking for this and go over. And that's the thing that's interesting is that the systems are learning as well. <laughs> right. So, so that the humans are learning. And, and I know, you know, speaking to my kids, the, my there's six years between my boys and mm-hmm. how one uses the internet is very oh, wow. different than the younger one. Yeah. And I'm sure that the kids now, the young children who are growing up with chat GPT are asking very different questions. Cause I use chat GPT like uh, a fancy Google mm-hmm. at best. Mm-hmm. I use my iPad pretty much like pen and paper in a book. I I use it with what is available, I know. Yeah. And I think young people will come at it with just creativity and passion and joy and a different vision of how to move these things yeah. and ask different questions. And I think the AI as well will be coming at approaching us differently as it evolves. Yeah, and I, and again, I, I just, I think it's like, um, and again, these are not my ideas. Yeah. This is for me watching Star Trek. This is for me watching these movies, right? It's like, you ever watch those kind of like sci-fi kind of movies and stuff where they're talking about this future civilization? They've got all this amazing tech, but then everybody wears like a smock and then they're like walking out in the forest and like, nah, we got sick of all that, you know, computer stuff. That's all here now. We want to farm do calligraphy, play the flute and eat from a, a blueberry bush, you know, in, inside of our garden and stuff. And I, I do see that a lot of that, a lot of people are going to start doing a lot more analog stuff, I think. Yeah. And, you know, people are going to start practicing handwriting again and, and writing handwritten notes to each other and start sending letters and stuff. And right. Same with me, man. I mean, like, look, my stuff's organized like this. Yep. That's a paper. I've gone back to pen and paper. You know, um, I've got my little, my little stubby pencils and stuff and my, my pencil sharpener. Exactly. Right. So um, I think that, that, yeah, a lot of that's going to, um, to be there because again, there's just too much of a focus on that. A lot more apps. Um, and one thing I wanted to mention and um, cause I really love this country very much. Mm. And um, I really get impassioned and, 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 I wouldn't say angry about it, but I, maybe a bit when people are constantly bashing Japan and saying, oh, this this time it's going down. Oh, no, no. Not How many times have they said that since 2001 during the dot-com crash and the financial this and the earthquake? and the, you know, It's almost like they want it to happen. Mm. And now they're talking about, well, the, the, the 2025, you know, IT drop-off, they're not going to have enough. What if, like, the Japanese so on board AI that now that becomes the next Japanese miracle. 
Mm. Where it's like, you know what? No, we've got one programmer working for Toyota who's now doing the output of 25 because he's got all the testing. to. Oh, and guess what? We're not outsourcing it anymore. So we don't need a bridge person to be, you know, doing that. He or she can just sit there, get the stuff done, have it tested. And now their output is just so much more. Mm. So actually, a lot of these companies are going to be experiencing massive profitability and growth because now they're saying, no, no, no. The fact that we don't have lots of uh, lots of these developer guys on the books means now we've got all this extra profit. And now we've got extra time to be doing stuff like putting people in front of customers and interacting more deeply with the customers because we're not wasting all this money on stuff now that AI and a couple of programmers are doing. Because um, the developers I talk to, they just say, no, it's just, it's, it's going to give me a 10x, a yeah. 20x to, to what I'm able to um, uh, to put out there. And I think that's going to be, that's just me. I mean, I, again, I love this country so much. I'm always on team Japan. So I'm thinking, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that cliff is going to have, they're going to get really close to it. And then all of a sudden AI has going to, this is a couple of years away still. Right. Mm. And it's going to be, nope, they're going to open up a special express lane in immigration. Um, I think that they'll, they'll probably start doing global testing sites we don't care if you've got a degree or not. If you can pass all these tests for robotics and logic and math and all this other stuff, boom, you get the visa, you get the 6 million yen salary, you're fast tracked two weeks later, boom, you got a visa, you know, mm. Wonka, you know, golden ticket time, come on out. Um, I think that's how some of the positive things that, that will happen. I think they're going to really bridge that gap with, with a lot of this stuff. Um, and people are going to start signing off human generated content 100% organic um, just in time innovation yeah i you know and and i think it's it's going to give you know us more time to to spend with our candidates and, and that sort of thing but yep. if i was if i was experiencing anxiety that's what i would be doing you know i'm if i was so anxiety would i feel anxiety around if i was a transactional company mm. if i was a, a large a lot of large recruitment companies, I would have anxiety that my job's going away mm. unless I find the human parts in the company, mm. like you said. And I think that's because, like like I said before, I think Amazons or J&Js, they need that transactional. Mm. They need it to move faster and better than a human can do it. And I think recruitment companies will respond likewise and and um meet that customer need but they're going to stop paying a, a consultant to do that mm. and already a lot of the consulting companies globally uh recruiters are very young and inexperienced so they don't need it's just process driven anyway and yeah. so they can replace that um and humans are expensive mm. and so i i the more transactional that I see, that's where I I find that. That's yeah, and I and I and, but, and I also think too that um, and this is something obviously that LinkedIn you know people said that about LinkedIn you know all those <laughs> dozens of years ago remember that right yeah but even at the time I was like this is just a website this I mean it's like oh you know and you know I mean and for a website that's been around for that long it's like how much has the functionality changed like none like they have LinkedIn Recruiter which is kind of okay but I I do see the Tamagotchis. Yeah, I love it. 
I do see that companies will have their own official Tamagotchi, even for small companies, even for a small cafe. Because mm-hmm. if, you, if you're just going to, you're going to tell your phone, hey, me and Dr. Sweet, we want to do a, a board game session in that cafe. Can you, and it goes, it contacts the, the Tamagotchi says, hey, these guys want to do, here's a schedule we can this time. I think for job searching and stuff at some stage, that's going to come in. You're going to have an in-depth conversation with Worf about what you want to do with your life and, and, and say, look, do not send me any companies that are not a 100% match yep. in terms of the culture, the salary and all the other stuff. And then, and then the companies are going to go into in-depth discussions and through audio, and then that'll be picked up and then they'll be able to start doing, I think that's a little bit different than kind of what, um, LinkedIn is a way it was promising. If you yeah. think it's a bit different because it'll be very customized mm. and it'll be like the people in this company, this is the kind of things that they like and the kind of activities that they do and stuff. You know what I mean? That that's when it's going to get real deep and it's like, no, you're matching on a lot of these cultures. You should check it out. But I still think that for the, the, the near term, it's going to, it's going to be very similar to as now, um, that's great. but resume formatting and all the other stuff, right. Matching resumes and stuff. And like people that you didn't think, because up until now, it's been keywords. It's not going to be keywords anymore. They're going to start. It, it's going to be using a different language model. Say, no, no, no. You've missed all these people, right? There's already programs that you can use to scrape LinkedIn, to scrape your database, to scrape the internet, and that's been going on already for for years. So that's nothing new, and I think uh, that will help. And if HR and recruiters don't engage in that, that's a challenge. I, I work with uh, one company. They have seven internal recruiters, mm. and they and the internal recruiters don't do any marketing. Mm. They're not on LinkedIn. They're not doing any proactive mm. generation. They just get handed out to a recruiter, and the company's paying you know millions of yen for that. There's another company, same industry. Same number of recs per year with one recruiter who is doing all these other things along with using AI and all the other tools. And that's that company. If you're you're in talent acquisition, man, you better be Johnny on the spot with all that. You you need to be considering yourself a small agency. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, especially now. Right. Cool. Well, I, I got uh, I got some I got a couple of things I want to cover. First, I want to do some quick fire questions for you. Sure. Hopefully, okay. Okay. And then there's nothing about uh, Star Trek on here, but we can do that one later. Right. So, uh, cake or pie? Oh, definitely pie. Any any particular pie? Uh, apple pie, lots of cinnamon. Love a good apple pie. Kimuraya in Ginza has a yep. really nice yep. apple pie. Uh, Godfather or Star Wars? I'd have to say Star Wars because of both of that. I was a Boba Fett fan when I was a kid. Totally. Like, I did not like the Jedis at all. I thought it was just boring. Boring. Like, boring. You can just make things move. That's boring. (laughs) I like the gritty dude that was all covered in sand, you know? Uh, And I think I know the answer to this one. Big dogs or small dogs? Um, Well, I mean, living in Japan and stuff like that. Small dogs, of course, I got a little tiny dog at home and stuff. But if if I had the space... I was living a bit farther out and stuff. I'd like to get a, um, I don't know if you've heard of it. They're called Shikoku Ken. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like a little wolf. Huh? So it's, it's, it's a, an amazing breed. 
It's called Shikoku, like the, the islands in the south. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their own, yeah, they have their own. You should Akutaken from the north, they're really big dogs. Shibaken, yep. they call it Shikoken. Check it out. I will look those. I saw a guy in the neighborhood. It was like Game of Thrones, man. It was like the Stark family. I'm like, dude, where? What? What? He goes up these are, and then I got into doing a bunch of research and stuff. Yeah, get your own, very own direwolf. Hmm. How many hours of sleep do you need? Uh, I make sure I get at least eight. Say, I make sure. say good day, mate, in Australian accent. Good day, mate. I love Australians because no matter what they tell you, it sounds positive. You know, <laughs> you got you got stabbed with a butcher knife, mate. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I love Aussies. Love yeah. Aussies. We we need more Aussies in this planet. Nice. What's your favorite carb? Bread, pasta, rice, or potatoes? Oh, potatoes. Yeah. Oh, I love good potatoes. I, I started I started adding in a lot of um like at night and stuff. I would just eat salad with a little tiny bit of meat and stuff. But with the running and all the training and stuff, it wasn't it, it, mm. it was starting to wear me down. Yeah. And there's a brand by Kadubi. Mm. And it's Hokkaido instant uh, mashed potatoes. And it is, I mean, you know, it's not going to be the same as mom makes. Yeah. But it's pretty close. <laughs> and when you put a little bit of hot water in that little black pepper and a little bit of olive oil and stuff with a little bit of steak, it's nice. It's, mm. it's yeah. Check those out. We'll have to put that in the show notes. Yeah. So a um, couple of, and then now you're also a writer. You've got a, a couple oh, yeah. of kids books out. Yeah. Which, uh. Anything you want? You got another one coming out? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about doing a um, a part two for the uh, Bigfoot Accountant. Nice. I, yeah, I want this to be, I want the next one to be more of like a workbook. Okay. Where um, it'll teach kids kind of, and also me, because I'm learning about accounting because having to write the book. Um, I want to teach them about like, like have a chance for parents and kids to kind of sit down and talk about budgeting. Mm. You know, profit margins, covering costs, and 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 setting up and managing a budget. So, but I want it to be in the text of in the context of the story. Um, That's great. And why am I writing that? I just I just like the creative process. I like interacting with artists. I like writing the story, um, and I just kind of like having a different take on what what you should be doing with your life. It's like you you do you. You know what mm. you think is best for yourself and stuff. So. Yeah, I recommend it. I, I bought a copy and had. Uh, I need to get you to sign it, but uh, I like. Oh, the, and I really appreciate. That. I really appreciate that. Just a great message, and uh, to to young people as well as uh, accountants, which. Uh, are, well, the funny, yeah, are, and I think I might have mentioned to you, but like that, the the basic of the basis of that story came up during a, a, a prep call with a candidate. Yeah, yeah. I said, well, you know, just imagine two things that'll never happen, like Bigfoot accountant, you, and then it's like. And then as I kept going, I, I wrote that down in my notepad, Bigfoot account. That's kind of funny. And then it was like, wait, what if? And then it just went on from there. Like if he, if he just, you know, your hairs of these big, massive meat hook fingers, you know, counting pebbles by the river. And it's like, no, I don't want to scare campers. Uh, you know, I, I want to learn about profit margins and depreciating assets and stuff like that, you know? Brilliant. And uh, so your company, Smart Partners, and we'll put a link to your yeah, sure. company there on, on the show notes. So to reach out for you, especially if uh, you're around project manager, recruiting project managers, IT consultants. Yep. Um, and also we'll put a link in there for smart. Uh, smart, faster games. If, if smart, they're interested in, 
Which like is we, we started working with clients and stuff last year. Yeah. Um, and it was really fun. Really fun. Like to, to go through the whole needs analysis part, put something together um, and, and to come back with something. Yeah. It's fun to watch clients react. That's great. You know, cause they're, they're kind of thinking, Oh, this is going to be kind of a dry kind of thing. And then it's like, no, man, what do you think of this? Cause we always invest heavily in art, art and a good backstory. That's great. Uh, and the, the content just comes from that. Well, thank you for spending some time. No, I appreciate it, man. Like I, said, I just wanted to talk to you. Like, it just kind of made sense to, to do it this way and stuff. But um, but definitely, let's get together sometime and hang out for lunch, man. I want to want to learn more about the doctor. Absolutely. Right.